Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tsiji. Coming up in this edition, polls have closed in Indonesia, bringing one of the world's largest single-day elections to an end. Some displaced Palestinians sheltering in Rafah have risked returning to central Gaza due to Israel's continuous strikes on the southern city. And the U.S. House of Representatives has voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas after a failed attempt last week. We begin with Southeast Asia. Over 200 million people in Indonesia have voted in the presidential election in one of the world's largest single-day polls. The three-way race is contested between presidential favorite and current defense minister Prabowo Subianto, and two former provincial governors Andis Baswedan and Ganja Pranowo. Experts say the support of younger voters will be crucial, as nearly half of the electorate is below the age of 40. Sukina Aluwalia has more from Jakarta. More than 200 million Indonesians are heading to the polls to pick their new president. And here's what you need to know: right now, there are three candidates that are vying for the spot. The first one is Anis Baswedan. He is Jakarta's former governor. He has strong connections with Islamic political groups, and he calls himself the change candidate, which means under him, Indonesia will be completely revamped, new programs, new focus, and creating. Almost a new legacy. The second, Prabowo Subianto. He's a former military general. He understands the ins and outs of Indonesia because of his experience in government all these years. And this is the third time he's running for president. His running mate is Indonesia's current president Joko Widodo's son. There has been controversy around that, but so far he's leading the polls. And third, Ganjar Pranowo. He says. He will continue President Widodo's legacy. So a lot on infrastructure, innovation, and also developing blue and green economies. Now, what makes this election interesting is the spotlight is on the youth. Almost half of the voters are under 40 years old. We spoke to many of them, and they say they're looking for a leader that understands important issues that they care about, like the environment, new job opportunities, and also expanding the digital economy. That was Sukina Alwalia reporting on elections in Indonesia. Turning to the Middle East, some displaced Palestinians sheltering in Rafah have risked returning to central Gaza due to Israel's continuous strikes on the southern city. Many are struggling with expensive and limited daily necessities. Noah Harazin has more from Rafah. We saw hundreds of families leaving Rafah to take shelter in、uh, Middle Gaza and places like the Deir el-Balah city and Nusayrat、uh, refugee camp, Al-Burij refugee camp, even though that those places are not even、uh, safe. But again, we're talking about、uh, more than 1.5 million people that are now residing in Rafah. So hundreds of families is a very small percentage of the people who are actually now sheltering in Rafah. There's Two different、uh, reasons. The first one is that most of them、uh, they do not have any other option. 
population. I mean, most of those uh, people who are displaced to Rafah came from northern Gaza, and now uh, Israel has isolated northern Gaza, so they cannot go back to their homes. The second reason is somehow people have hope that maybe in the next few days the uh, Hamas and Israel will uh, come to a truce or a ceasefire uh, agreement, especially with the uh, very intense and serious negotiations uh, with uh, Qatar, Egypt, the United States about a near future truce. Now food is available in Gaza at very, very expensive uh, prices and uh, it is also limited. There is humanitarian aid that is entering Gaza Strip, but it is very little. Actually, let us talk about yesterday, for example, Tuesday. From the Egyptian side, there is only four trucks that entered Gaza filled with uh, cooking gas. From the Karm Abu Salem side, which is the Israeli border with Gaza, there is 73 humanitarian aid trucks that entered the Gaza Strip. So less than 100 aid trucks uh, entered Gaza. That's no harassing on the displacement of Palestinians from Rafah. In China, celebrations continue for the Spring Festival, and the southwestern province of Sichuan is hosting a wide variety of events over the week-long Chinese New Year holiday. In the provincial capital Chengdu, a traditional fair has attracted thousands of local and foreign tourists. Chen Songwu reports. Chengdu's Wuhouzi, or Wuhou Shrine Museum, commemorates Liu Bei and Zhuge Liang's roles as king and minister of the Shu Kingdom almost 2,000 years ago. Today is also a temple hosting traditional celebrations over the Spring Festival. The fair has been held annually in Wuhou Shrine Museum since 2005. This year, there are lantern shows, sacrifices for ancestors, and artistic performances. The lanterns combine traditional artistic skills with augmented reality. The fair provides an opportunity to taste the local food and experience the Sichuan opera while also promoting Chinese culture. For those who know little about the history and the culture of Sichuan province, the annual event is a highly educational experience. We came here with our friend who is from China and we visited Chengdu, I think mainly because of the pandas. And it's really interesting. This is like completely new to me. It's my first time in Asia, so really new experience and very nice to see. Yeah, it's very interesting. We tried a lot of different food and we learned a lot about the history as well. So, yeah, it's very good. It's our first full day in Chengdu today. So, yeah, it's been a really nice day. I came here to learn because I don't know much about the culture here, including Chengdu's and even Sichuan's. The natural scenery and traditional custom here are profound. Organizers remain true to local spring festival traditions, but continue to look for ways to innovate. One result is an increasingly younger crowd, with many flocking to the temple this year despite having more and more options to celebrate the holiday season. That's Chen Songwu on Chinese New Year celebrations in Chengdu. In North America, the U.S. House of Representatives has voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas after a failed attempt last week. The House approved two articles of impeachment accusing Mayorkas of not enforcing U.S. immigration laws, which Republicans argue led to record flows of migrants across the border with Mexico. Popin Putin reports. 
Hardline Republicans have successfully won a vote to impeach Mayorkas after failing to get enough votes last week. With a slim majority uh, in the House, it was a close battle as some moderate Republicans refused to toe the party line, but they pushed through by a margin of just one vote. Republicans managed to swing the impeachment vote in their favor with the help of Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who wasn't present in the chamber last week to cast his yes vote as he was still undergoing cancer treatment. Border security is a hot-button issue as the U.S. presidential campaign heats up, and one that former President Donald Trump is particularly vocal about, vowing over the weekend to initiate a mass deportation effort on his first day in office if elected. Now, despite his strong words about the U.S.'s porous border, Trump pushed his party to hamstring Democratic funding efforts. In a seemingly counterintuitive move just last week, GOP senators tanked a bipartisan bill that sought to provide a broad financial package for Israel and Ukraine, as well as funding for the border. Now, that move, as well as initiating this impeachment vote against Mayorkas, is part of a dual strategy to blame Democrats for the migrant crisis and strategically block border funding initiatives, maintaining an air of chaos as border security is a critical political card for Trump to play as he campaigns to be re-elected in November. Now the issue now goes to the Senate to decide whether to convict Mayorkas. While this impeachment is a political blemish on the Homeland Security Secretary, charges will most certainly be dismissed in the majority Democrat chamber. That was popping Putin on the impeachment of the U.S. Homeland Security Secretary. Also in the United States, the latest numbers show U.S. inflation is continuing to drop towards the central bank's target range. But some costs remain high, such as housing and eating out. As Owen Fairclough reports, that could in part explain why the overall slowdown in inflation doesn't appear to be helping President Joe Biden. For Joe Biden, the latest inflation numbers should be a gift as he tries to win a second presidential term on his economic record. The U.S. president addressing local government leaders on Monday just hours before January's inflation data showed prices increasing by 3.1% on an annual basis. That's a drop on December and testament to how policymakers defied expectations by reducing inflation running at more than 9% in the summer of 2022 without derailing the economy. And it's a global trend, according to the International Monetary Fund. The world economy is now poised for this soft landing we have been dreaming uh, for. Even so, polls suggest not all voters are feeling these positive economic indicators touted by Biden. While the cost of groceries has dropped, the cost of restaurant dining climbed more than 5% last month, and consumers are noticing. Fast food chain McDonald's admitted prices it raised by double digits over each of the past two years have been deterring lower-income families. And that persistent, if somewhat isolated, inflation is one reason the U.S. Federal Reserve isn't quite ready to start reducing the benchmark interest rate it ramped up to drive down inflation towards its 2% target. Owen Fairclaw there on the U.S. inflation. Now recapping the headlines, polls have closed in Indonesia, bringing one of the world's largest single-day elections to an end. 
some displaced Palestinians sheltering in Rafah have risked returning to central Gaza due to Israel's continuous strikes on the southern city. And the U.S. House of Representatives has voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas after a failed attempt last week. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thank you for listening.